So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with experts at the forefront of consulting. On this episode, we're joined by Dennis Consorte, who's a digital marketing and operations consultant who helps small businesses and startups drive traffic, conversion, and retention. Uh, That covers everything from SEO, paid search, affiliate marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, storytelling. Um, He's been featured all over the place, including Inc., Forbes, Entrepreneur, NASDAQ, and finally, the Leaders of Consulting podcast. So I'm glad you finally made it here, Dennis. I'm super excited to be here, Jonathan. Let's get let's get this thing going. Excellent. And uh, as as I was just saying to Dennis, it so happens that we're in a similar neck of woods in Queens. So nice to have a a neighbor on the show. Glad to be here. Queens is a big place, though. So hopefully, you'll journey into my neck of the woods sooner rather than later. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Um, so, Dennis, why don't, why don't we get things kicked off here by you telling us about a unique approach, tip, tool, or strategy uh, that you believe other consultants should probably know about? Maybe they don't. That's a really broad question, and there are probably lots of answers to it. Where I'll start is that you want to build rapport with your client as fast as possible. and. Everybody knows this and they try different techniques. Sometimes people feel like, okay, in your conversation, you want to match their language and their body language, and you want to talk about things you have in common. That stuff is all important. It's not the only thing you want to do. You also want to give them examples of how you can help them. And the way you do that is through storytelling. So, When you first meet with a client, you want to understand what their problems are, and then you want to tell stories related to those problems and how you've solved them elsewhere. The other piece of this that a lot of people don't think about is oftentimes when clients come to you with a problem, it looks like a a little thing, but it's actually part of something much bigger. And so you want to start to identify what that bigger problem is, what the root cause of that thing that they need help with from you today is so that you can help them with that, because that's really where you can bring the most value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, what, one of the things I tend to do is I record all my calls. Now, I'll, I'll actually watch a lot of them back just to pick up on things I may have missed or, or things they're telling me and I'm not listening properly, understanding their language, understanding, putting myself in their shoes as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. And to your point, not only do you want to listen to their language, but you also want to pick up on whatever clues they give you about their organization. So they may say something like, I need digital marketing help. The SEO on my site is terrible. I have this guy, I have this gal, I have this organization that did X, Y, and Z, and it didn't work. And so what that's telling you is, okay, they need help with the SEO. It may also tell you that they need help with their organization and with selecting the right partners to solve the problems that they have. So oftentimes what happens with me is people hire me for digital marketing and I solve those problems for them. And then sometimes that transforms into a different relationship where they realize that I can bring them value in other ways. And the reason for this is because I approach digital marketing 
as a process. And I build systems in order to solve those problems and build incremental growth over time. So if you take that systems mindset and apply it to every other aspect of an organization, you can help them grow overall. So when people bring me in as a digital marketing consultant, oftentimes that transforms into a role that also includes some of the leadership, some of the project management, some of the operations side of things, because that gets them closer to where they want to be. And if you can show value to clients like that, you're going to be with them forever. They're not going to want to let you go. They're, they're thrilled that you're helping them with the thing they brought you in for. And they're also thrilled that you're helping them realize their overall vision. Yeah. And I'm curious, how does that tie in, do you think, with, with the idea of specialization and, general, um, and being a generalist? Because I can imagine as a specialist, you're brought in for a specific project. But what, you're, what I hear you say is oftentimes... You'll be able to help the organization identify, well, actually, there's a lot of other areas where you could be providing value. So I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on that or your approach to it. That's a great question. Uh, what I would say is that for me personally, uh, I do well in those two areas, uh, specializing in certain parts of digital marketing, particularly the, the content and SEO side and paid search side. Uh, I also do well with the operational side of things with different companies and, and building systems for them. What I would say is that you can specialize in what you do and you can fill gaps in other areas until you bring in the right people to specialize in those things also. So for example, uh, I work with a bunch of startups. And one of these startups has a lot of gaps to fill. They, they need people in operations and they need people in different areas of digital marketing. And they need people who are subject matter experts and all of these different things. And so one of the things that I do with them is first I figure out, okay, how do I put a Band-Aid on each of these other areas so that we can move forward so that the organization survives and grows so that the thing that I specialize in is still there so that I can keep working. In addition, I'll help them find the right talent or I'll help them to vet talent to fill those gaps on a more permanent basis. So let's say, for example, we need a project manager who's going to be leading meetings and building systems in some project management platform. In the beginning, I might get them started. I might say, okay, let's use monday.com or whatever other platform there is. And I'll put some things in place so that we can start getting used to it. And I'll work on building uh, buy-in into these new systems so that when we plug the right person in who specializes in building these uh, project management systems, the entire team is already bought into it. What happens is people have different personality types. I am naturally an INTJ, which just means I'm, I'm naturally an introverted person and I'm really good at process stuff and I'm really bad at people. I'm fortunate enough to know that I'm really bad at people. And so I get training on this every week so that I can be better at it and so that I can be mindful of 
this challenge that I have and so that I can act as an extrovert or act as a leader of a team when, when I need to do it because somebody has to step up and do that. The challenge often is that people like myself don't always focus on that side of things. They don't always focus on trying to be better in the areas where they need help. And so you'll get people who are amazing project managers and you'll plug them into the into the team and they'll have all of these brilliant ideas about how to make the organization better, but they don't have the people skills to get the rest of the team to buy into this solution. And what ends up happening is they build something that's amazing that nobody uses. So part of what I do personally is I help the owners of different companies and and other stakeholders to get buy-in with their teams on why these systems are so important so that by the time we get the right people in place, they can do their job effectively and they don't have to maybe go outside of their comfort zone to get the outcome that they want. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like that. That's that's extremely interesting. It it sounds like something that you hear more in the or you come across more in the context of uh, bigger consultancies who come in and they you know they place more people from their own team their own you know consultancy who can you know pick up work here and there and they identify opportunities. But what you're describing, it sounds to me like you're coming in as an independent and you're saying, okay, well I see you guys need help over there. How can I set you up for success and bring someone who's who's an, a subject matter expert specifically in that? And you're tapping into your wider network as an independent, uh, which is which is yeah something that I haven't, like I say, come across uh, that often before. So. I, I have what you would call an abundance mindset. Yeah, I'm not so concerned about um, trying to get my piece of everything that is involved with every project I work on. Yeah. I'm more concerned with getting the right outcome for the client so that they get the best possible result they can. And usually that includes me and other people. And so I'm very flexible. Sometimes if a client asks me to reach out to my network, I will. If I feel like there is a fit, I'll do that. And if they bring people from their network or through recruiters or whoever else, I'll help them vet those people. Oftentimes, people know that they have a need and their emotions get in the way and they just hire somebody immediately to fill that void because they feel like they need a body in place. But what happens is oftentimes people hire the wrong person for different roles, either because they're not a fit for the organization or they've got other stuff going on where maybe it's not a priority or whatever else. And where I can bring value as an independent is I can ask the right questions and and there's no emotion involved in how I perceive these people. I I don't want to just fill the void with a body. I want to make sure that the right person is there because ultimately I'm going to have to work with them on a daily basis. So I need to know that they're compatible with the organization, they're compatible with me, and that they're on board with the vision for the future. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's that's great. Um, And Dennis, can you tell us about a particular resource that comes to mind uh, that's had a big impact on you either professionally or personally? 
That could be anything from a book to an article to a podcast to who knows what. There are so many resources. When it comes to books, I've read a bunch of them. Probably the ones that stand out the most are the oldest because they've uh, stood the test of time. So I really like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I really like How to Win Friends and Influence People. Those are my standbys. Uh, More recently, uh, I've gotten a lot of value out of Atomic Habits, and I've gotten a lot of value out of The Go-Giver. If you don't have a lot of time to read thick books on this stuff. Uh, the Go-Giver is a great book. It's by Bob Berg. Um, and it, what I like about it is you can finish it in a couple hours and it's all storytelling. It's not so much do X, Y, Z. It's more like, here's a, here's a little story. It's interesting. And then here are the takeaways at the end. So what I would also say is you want to Focus more on mindset. Hard skills are easy to learn. You can go anywhere to pick up ideas and how to be a better digital marketer or whatever else. The soft skills are often where at least people like myself have the greatest challenges. So the books are a good place to start. The next place you want to go is you want to look for mentors and coaches and communities that can help you be better. So Uh, One of my clients actually uh, mentors me on a lot of the leadership stuff I do. Uh, His name is Larry Sharp. He is actually running for governor of New York on a third party ticket. And we talk a lot about uh, leadership and I share stories with him about the challenges I face. And he helps me work through those almost like a like a business therapist, if you will. I I also have different communities that I'm a part of. So, for example, I've been a member of Toastmasters International on and off for the last 30 years, something like that, 20 or 30 years. And I've been a member of my local chapter here in Queens. Maybe I'll invite you to attend one of our Zoom meetings for several years. And I've had leadership positions with them. And what I love about Toastmasters is it's a community of like-minded people. It's not about the money, right? It's like hundred bucks a year or whatever it is. It's really about improving your communication skills, your interpersonal skills, and then paying it forward and helping other people with theirs. If you don't have a lot of money, that's a great place to start. Start with a couple of books, start with Toastmasters that will move you way further ahead than um, trying to do things on your own. And if you have a little bit more money, then look into getting a coach. And if you can't afford a coach, then find an accountability partner. It's a little tougher and sometimes it's not as consistent. But if you find someone else who's facing similar challenges to yourself, then set up a time once a week where each of you just meet for a Zoom call or a phone call or in person and talk through the challenges you faced that week and some goals you're going to set for the following week. Yeah, those are those are some great uh, suggestions there. One, one of the things I really like about Toastmasters is the fact that everyone who's part of that group just comes from completely different facets of life. Uh, but you all learn so much about for each other through public speaking, um, whilst at the same time, you know, building your confidence. Um, you know, it's it's all very sort of quite personal development focused as well, which I quite like. I do too, and there are challenges with it. So 
oftentimes people will have different styles to communication. And a big part of Toastmasters is the evaluation piece. So you'll give a speech and then somebody will give an evaluation for a couple of minutes and give you some pointers on how to do better. That advice isn't always right for you. It might be right for them, but it might not be right for you. So it's good in the sense that you'll get a lot of ideas from different people. You just have to be mindful of then curating that advice into the things that work best for your personality, your presentation style, and your content. Yeah, 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 very true. Yeah, they do have quite a unique uh, way of delivering the, uh, the feedback as well. Um, so even that sort of sandwich style where they, they say, you know, something you did great, something that you could improve, um, and something again, you know, rolling back to, you know, what, what makes your, your speech so great. I like the sandwich technique. You just have to be authentic about it. Yeah. If you say, you know, you've got amazing hair <laughs> and you're speaking really sucks, but I like the way you manicure your fingernails. Like, that's not very authentic, right? You're giving a positive, a negative, and a positive. But if you if you are genuine about your positive and negative feedback, then people appreciate it and they respond to it. Yeah, 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 agreed. And uh, if we just switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about, you know, the work that you do and the clients that you serve, I'm curious, can you tell us more about the characteristics that your ideal clients, your typical clients share and how you first sort of engage with them? What's What does that process look like? Where do you find them? I went through a burnout period a few years ago. And the reason for that was because I grew my organization too fast. I had too many clients, too many employees, too much overhead. And I had to take a couple of years off and just get my head right and figure out why I wasn't feeling very well. And what I realized was that I lost my sense of purpose. I was so focused on just making the cash register ring that I wasn't paying attention to the types of clients that I brought on, the types of projects I worked on, and the value that I hoped to get out of those projects. What I realized was that I really want to be intentional about how I use my time. And I think this is something that people have realized in mass over the last couple of years. This uh, lockdown in response to COVID and, and all of the stuff that has happened over the past few years made a lot of people realize that time is precious. It is our most valuable commodity. And so in my world, what that tells me is, you know what, I work a lot. And so I want to make sure that all of those hours are spent doing things that I really enjoy. And I want to make sure that when I bring value to my clients, I feel really good about it because I'm helping them and I'm helping my community. And I define my community uh, often as small business owners and entrepreneurs and then the community at large. What I really believe is that successful small businesses, successful startups, entrepreneurs who make it, they give everybody else hope. And that's what we really need in this country right now. We need stories by people who came from uh, humble beginnings and made it in life because that's what's going to get us through this very difficult time that we're in right now. So I look for clients that help other small businesses. That's number one. And number two, I look for clients that help individuals. Uh, I've gone through different cycles in my own 
wellness journey. I, like I said, I went through a burnout period and that was very difficult for me. A lot of stuff I had to overcome. And so I also like clients in the health and wellness space, uh, people where I know that the work that, that we do together, the content that we create, the stories that we tell, all of this stuff is helping people to be healthier, to be happier, and to really enjoy their lives. So if I can bring value to uh, small businesses, if I can bring value to individuals to help them live a happier life, that, that's the kind of client that I want to bring on board. Yeah, I love that. Uh, sounds like you really have a very clear mission in mind there. And um, can you tell us about uh, some typical challenges that you might solve for, for some of those uh, small businesses or people helping small businesses? Oftentimes, small businesses and startups have a very chaotic culture to them. Everything has to move fast. They're, they're trying to put out fires day in and day out. There's just chaos. And so the problem I like to solve is figuring out how to take that chaos and, and give some order to it. Some chaos is great. It's great for creativity. It's great for building momentum and creating energy around an organization. You also want to have some structure so that you're moving in the right direction. And so one of the things that, that I like to do is identify the sources of chaos within an organization and then figure out, okay, is there a way we can, we can change things just a little bit so that when it's all over the place, we can maybe consolidate a little and move towards something that we all agree upon. Um, now, a big part of this on the leadership side really comes from getting buy-in from people. And by that, I mean, you don't want to be, in my opinion, an authoritative leader. You don't want to say, do this and do that or else, right? That's terrible. You might get the results you want, but you're going to end up with a really unhappy team. You're going to have... Uh, just a really poor company culture. What you want to do is you want to actually empower people to do the things that they want that align with the company's goals so that you're moving in the same direction voluntarily. So I would say that uh, identifying challenges in, in leadership is also a problem that you want to solve whenever you come to an organization as a consultant. You want to look at what is their leadership style and are the right people making the right decisions? Oftentimes with a small business, you have somebody who uh, maybe didn't come from a bigger organization and they never really had the coaching that they needed to be a great leader. And so oftentimes they are that authoritative leader or they are leading with their emotions and saying, you know, this problem just happened. We need to figure out how to solve it immediately. I try to come into those situations and, and be a, a calming force, if you will, so that we can sit down and say, okay, look, here's the problem. Here's how we're currently trying to solve the problem. Here's what's not working and here's how we fix that. And in addition, I try really hard to lead by example. I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. I make mistakes. I have emotions. These things happen. When I do make mistakes, uh, one of the things I like to do uh, in leading by example is I like to own up to those mistakes and say, this is what I did. I take full responsibility and here's what needs to happen in order to fix it. And if you do that, 
within an organization, then people are less scared to talk about the mistakes that they make. So that when you have a junior level person who maybe made a mistake that cost the company a bunch of money, they're not afraid. They're not saying, you know what, if, if I tell them I'm going to get fired because I made this terrible mistake. And, and then what happens is that that mistake gets hidden and it becomes something much bigger than it was. And it doesn't actually get solved in a timely manner. Instead, you want people to not be afraid so that they talk about the mistakes that they made so that they can bring them to the group. And there's no judgment. It's really just, here's the problem. Here's what happened. And here's how we can fix it. So uh, I think those are some of the things you can look at with uh, particularly smaller organizations. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious from a, from a leadership perspective, uh, do you have any suggestions for someone in a situation where they have maybe someone who's on their team uh, who they have the habit of just saying, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, oh, this wasn't done properly, why isn't this still happening? Is there any way to kind of break that cycle or uh, are there any sort of techniques or ways of looking at things? One one I came across was um, from the uh, the one-minute manager where they talk about, you know, trying to break that cycle of always saying like, oh, you haven't done this, haven't done this. So actually like, actually identify the parts that they that someone's really doing quite well and actually not just dwell on the, the parts that, oh, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed. But are there any other sort of ways that leaders can address that issue? It's a good question. I think that sometimes that's solvable and sometimes it isn't. The key to everything, I believe, is communication. So if you have somebody who is leading, leading with air quotes, by telling everyone everything they're doing wrong without any positive reinforcement, then you need to have a conversation with that person as a starting point. And try in your conversation to communicate in the way that you would want them to communicate with others. So if their style of communication is, hey, Jonathan, you did a terrible job on this podcast. Uh, what's wrong with you? Right. I'm not going to approach the person and, and say, hey, Samantha, you are doing a terrible job of leading the team. What's wrong with you? Instead, I might say something like, hey, Samantha, you know, uh, I think you're amazing. You're super smart, and I know you can really grow in this position. And one of the things that I noticed was that sometimes when things happen, uh, the way that it's communicated is, is a little bit challenging for people to take. I know that when I was talking to Jonathan, I said some things that uh, I could have phrased better. And what happened was it put him on the defensive and then he didn't want to work with me. So we've got all these people in our organization. They've got different personalities. And I know you can be an amazing leader, Samantha. I would just ask you to talk to people more and figure out uh, if there are some wins that you can achieve together. Maybe talk to Jonathan and say, you know what, Jonathan is a super creative person. Let's focus on that right now. And then we'll worry about the operations side of, of what he is doing once you start building rapport with Jonathan and you get some wins together. Because now what you're doing, Samantha, is you're, you're building a team. You're aligning your interests with Jonathan. And now he believes in you. 
And so it doesn't require as much force for you to offer suggestions to Jonathan because he actually sees that some of the stuff that that you're talking about works. And so he's going to be more cooperative with you naturally versus trying to force that upon him. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I would maybe start that conversation. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you'll have people where they're just in a really negative space. And when that happens, you can try to move them into a different scenario. Uh, one of my favorite old movies is Office Space. And you may remember the character in there, the guy who couldn't find a stapler. Nobody wanted to fire him. So they just kept moving him from location to location to location. And eventually he was in the back corner of the basement away from everybody else because no one wanted to say to him, you know what, this isn't the right fit. So you can do that to some degree. If you have somebody who's maybe not a people person, maybe you can move them into a role that's more compatible with their personality where they can thrive and they don't have to deal with all this stuff that, that creates anxiety for them and for you. If that doesn't work, then you have to have a conversation and you have to be kind about it. Uh, what I don't like are uh, leaders, again, air quotes, leaders, who are unkind when they have to um, uh, ask people to change the relationship. It's, a, it's just not a good place. It's not good for them. It's not good for you. And in fact, it can harm your organization if you leave on bad terms with people where then they start writing reviews and, and other things that can hurt the business. So if you find that you have someone in your organization who's just not compatible with the vision and you can't figure out how to move forward together, then you want to do your best to, to help them figure out what their next step in life should be. And, and that's a really hard conversation and you really have to use a lot of empathy in it. And I think you also want to be a resource for people when, when that happens. Uh, you want to be able to say, you know, Samantha, uh, you are an amazing person and you're brilliant. Um, it's, it's just been a challenge trying to figure out how to take your brilliance and plug it into the systems that we have here today. And uh, I don't know how we can do that at this point, Samantha, do you, do you see a way that we can move in that direction? Or do you think maybe it's time to start thinking about something else? And then she's going to tell you where her head is at and why things are or are not working in the organization. And oftentimes in that conversation, it can be a mutual decision where you say, yeah, you know what, this isn't the best fit. Here's where I really want it, right, Samantha? Here's where Samantha really wants to be. And now, as an empathic leader, I'm going to try to help her get there so that uh, not only will she be happier in a role that's more compatible with her personality, but people around her will be happier, too, because she's in that role that really matches who she really is. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, my, my wife works in HR, so a lot of what you describe are the challenges that she faces and also the, the organization where she works, they really believe in giving everybody not just second chances, but as many chances as possible. So a lot of the time, it's a question of figuring out, you know, where in the organization do they really fit? But yeah, sometimes, like you say, it's, it's just not the right fit and people do have to move on, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, so Dennis, um, so for, for people, you know, working with, you know, running an organization where it's, uh, where it's constant chaos, they're always burning out fires, um, putting out fires, sorry, burning fires. Um, can you suggest any, you know, and, and say, you know, the person running that, that organization is thinking to myself, you know, this just can't go on. We've got to, we've got to do something about this. Are there any good sort of first initial steps that, that someone should take that you would uh, point to? I've probably used the word systems about 50 times in this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And that's my approach to everything. If, if I'm finding that an organization just has tons of fires to put out, it probably means they have the wrong systems in place. Probably means that uh, something has to change about the way the organization communicates. Probably means that responsibilities need to shift so that the right people have ownership of the right responsibilities. Um, that's, that's where I would start is thinking about how to put the right systems in place. I'll give you a podcast example, because I know that's, that's your space mm-hmm. and you do very well at it. I have a client and we have an influencer who represents the company on a podcast, brilliant person, very entertaining, very engaging, doesn't show up doesn't show up for half of the uh, interviews that are scheduled, doesn't show up when the podcast team needs input on how to chop up the videos and how to brand the stuff and and all the things that need to happen to produce a really good podcast. This is a common problem with influential people because they're used to people around them sort of... um, supporting them in in a very big way. It's just, it's a personality that I see often. And so the way to solve something like that, in my opinion, uh, short of replacing the person themselves is to replace the system. So if your system is, you know what, we're just going to put something on the calendar so that uh, Michelle Ken knows knows that she has an interview at a certain time on a certain day. Instead, what it may mean is that this particular person needs a lot more uh, interaction on a human level. It may mean that you have to put phone calls and emails and text messages into that system in addition to whatever else you have. And that may be too much. You may say, you know what, that's not worth it but it may be worth it. And so all I'm saying is that if you have a system and it's not working, start there, figure out if you can build a better system. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic. And uh, Dennis, I know that you have a uh, snackable solutions uh, video podcast. I'd love for uh, you to tell listeners a little bit about that. What kind of topics do you address? Uh, what can people expect if they, if they tune in and where can they find it? Yeah. So. As I said, I went through a burnout period, and so I'm very selective about the clients I take on, which means I say no a lot. That doesn't mean I don't want to help people. It just means that I know I need to spend my time on things that are the best use of my time. I want to bring value to the small business community, and that's why I created Snackable Solutions, because if if I can't work with you as a consultant directly, I can at least point you in the right direction. 
So on Snackable Solutions, you go there and you watch these really short videos. They're between one and five minutes. And the goal is that every Snackable Solution has actionable steps that you can take to make your business incrementally better. Very similar to what you would read in a book like Atomic Habits, the the concept of being 1% better every day. So you watch a video, you follow the steps, and your business will be a little bit better, and you will be a little bit better. And that's the whole premise of the show. So I have all kinds of guests on there. I have guests who have hard skills like digital marketers. I have guests who have soft skills like leadership. You can watch the videos that will help you get to where you need to be. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, watch the show. I also have extended interviews, but the, the real focus is these, these short, snackable solutions. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what, you know, one to five minutes, everyone's got time to learn something in, during that time. Um, and finally, as we wrap up here, can you, can you tell people where they can find out more about yourself, um, you know, all the different projects you're up to? Um, where they can connect with you online? I'm an old man. And so you won't find me much on Instagram or TikTok or any of those places. Although I'd like to do more of that, it's just not who I am. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Dennis Consorte on LinkedIn. Very easy to find my profile. As long as your first message to me isn't, would you like to hire developers for $25 per hour halfway around the world? I'll probably connect back with you. Uh, Connect with me on LinkedIn, engage my posts. I'll probably engage yours too if if things show up in my feed. Let's start there. Uh, And again, Snackable Solutions, best place to look for that is going to be on YouTube. Uh, Find the channel, subscribe to it. And if you have ideas or if you're a small business owner where you think you can bring value to the community, then get in touch with me and, and let's do a show. Fantastic. Well, Dennis, I I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and sharing all your insights. This has been massively valuable. Awesome. I really appreciate it, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. That's all for this episode. And if you want to follow the podcast on social media, we're on all the platforms. So if you just search for Leaders of Consulting or our handle Leaders of C, on your social media platform of choice. That includes Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. You'll find us there.